Marvel has done it again. They have finally given us something so good. Something that just gave you the same feeling that... Maybe it's just me, but it was the first time that I've been in a movie theater that was not only packed, because, you know, everything that's still going on in the world, I'm still going to movies, but I'm in movie theaters with maybe five or six other people. This time, every seat was filled. And I'm talking, it was a Monday night, this movie premiered on Thursday, and the seats are still filled for this film for for the fifth day in a row. So... They've given us this mid-phase four exquisite film that just gives you the same feeling and starts off with the same momentum as, I'm going to say, Endgame. Like, even Infinity War. Like, those two movies back-to-back were just tremendous films that were just so highly anticipated that when you're sitting in the movie theaters watching them, you're almost in disbelief that it, we're, we're finally at that point. And then you sit there with No Way Home, and there were just so many expectations, and it just it lived up to and surpassed om- almost every single thing. And what's so great is how well-rounded they made this story and what they were trying to get out of the story. Not only continuing the path that they were on, but also sort of restarting the same... I didn't... I really didn't want to spoil too much when it came to this film. And it's just... It's really hard to talk about how fantastic it was without spoiling so many things. So I'm going to say that I'm just going to kind of speak freely. It's been at least a week that the film's been out, and I really apologize if you haven't seen it already. I'm going to say stop now if you haven't. But I feel like if you've come here, you're somebody that's looking for maybe insight or maybe just seeing how somebody else is viewing a film like this. I hope you've seen it already, but we'll just say it like that. Now, being that it's part of Phase 4, I believe it's right in the middle of it. And it's kind of this peak moment where this film is going to push whatever the next story arc is moving forward to the end of Phase 4. Up to this point, we've only had new character developing stories or torch-passing stories... I've said this in a bunch of other entries before. You have shows like the Hawkeye show, which is almost over. You have the Loki show, the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, WandaVision. Then you had Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Nothing has really cemented anything that we're expecting. And again, stuff I've said before, they're kind of restarting from an already built platform. And leading off of something like what Endgame gave us is very difficult for us to see what's moving forward. And this concept of the multiverse is very exciting to see them finally push to make that an idea for what we're going to be expecting moving forward. So now this movie is heavily set with targeting the multiverse and targeting uh, a kind of... um, I want to say base ground for what we 
could understand about the multiverse. And you could say that maybe even Loki kind of did that, but Loki's more on the lines of time traveling and uh, time frames and how each universe has its own timeline. But when it comes to the, the multiverse, I feel like that's a little bit separately. Like, the idea that there are two of you that exist on two separate worlds in two separate universes where two separate stories happen is one thing, but the idea of the the overall arc of time in that universe is a completely separate thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like the difference between two clotheslines that are parallel to each other. Yes, they're kind of in the same area. They take up the same amount of space and they're they're parallel to each other, but they move in they can move in separate directions if that makes a little bit of sense. So when it comes to Loki and the time stuff, it's very difficult to see how that might connect to the multiverse because Loki is time traveling amongst all these universes. And the storyline that we're being given is set in one particular time in this one universe. And it takes place after the stories of the various other universes it interconnects with. So we're going to talk about one of the big rumors that was floating around for a long time that I believe everybody kind of kept under wraps pretty well. And even with the few leaks that happened, you, you couldn't know if you should believe it or not because people are tremendous at making up whatever they want these days. I relate that to this image that keeps floating around of Amelia Clark replacing Amber Heard as Mira in Aquaman and all it is is a photoshopped image and it looks good but it ain't real so there's people out there that have the capabilities to you know do this kind of stuff with imagery and 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 film footage so there are some that look really cheesy but when it's a still image it's hard when photoshop is as good as it is this in this day and age but turned out to be true and both both of our first Spider-Mans do pop up and you get this triad Spider-Man sequence in the film that's just so monumental, but it also expresses that it takes place after all of the events of all three of those films. The only real difference is, is that all the characters that they decided to incorporate in some way, shape, or form, are have already existed and have perished in Spider in their respective Spider-Man films. So that just lets you know that there are certain characters that they probably didn't touch on that did show up in some of these films that didn't perish. You know, like in in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. You know, James Franco was still a very much main character, and the third film I believe ended with some sort of arc that might turn him into the bad guy. But he doesn't show up, but William Defoe's Green Goblin shows up and eventually transitions into the Hobgoblin, which is fantastic. It just, everything just looked so tremendous on screen and it was such good storytelling. And this concept of just this, this multiverse where each Spider-Man kind of told this, there are so many storylines in Spider-Man. It's funny that they were able to do this thing where each different Spider-Man was a different version of this story while still kind of having very basic foundation foundationary elements they all had an aunt may but our spider-man for the mcu tom holland doesn't have an uncle ben these other two have uncle ben's these other two 
had girlfriends. Um, Andrew Garfield's being Gwen Stacy, who has never been involved in any other film besides that one. Tobey Maguire's involving MJ, which stood for Mary Jane. But Tom Holland's Spider-Man has MJ, who re- who is referred to as Michelle Jones. And she doesn't like using the name Watson. So it's very much this, th- th- this parallel of realizing that, yes, we do have a Spider-Man, but it's just not... And this is one of the reasons why they started the Spider-Man the way they did is because we're in a different universe's Spider-Man story. And it's so funny when he makes this comment about being part of a team that he calls the Avengers, the other two Spider-Man have no idea what he's talking about. So in those universes, the concept of the Avengers and aliens doesn't really exist, except for Tobey Maguire, who said, yeah, I fought a black gooey alien, and that's the symbiote. That's that's a callback to Spider-Man 3. And... It's just this this parallel of differences that are also very much similarities that also show that all three of these Spider-Man have really given us just this well-rounded arc of everything that is a foundation-building platform for a Spider-Man character. Gwen Stacy is a very pivotal moment in Spider-Man's history. Mary Jane is very pivotal. The Uncle Ben death is very pivotal. There are just so many key moments that they touch base on that they see they they connect with even though it's confusing to them to be like oh we're in this other universe with these other spider-man and it's even funnier when you consider that the only villains that pop up are the ones that have actually perished to the hands of spider-man which i also want to make a quick call back to the trailers and i remember pointing this out to my wife i'm like I, I did the entry for the trailer when this trailer first dropped. I think it was back in August, the beginning of September. And I was just so upset with what the portrayal of Doctor Strange looked like. Like, it looked to me as if they were really trying to demean or n- not value what the Doctor Strange character brings to the table in that trailer. Like, he, he looked like a little snobby. He looked like he really didn't care. And then you see what he is in the in the film, and the trailer is just—it's just one of those scenarios where they vastly changed the trailer to make it more appealing, I guess, and then gave us what we really wanted out of Doctor Strange in and of itself. Biggest example I can think of is the line when Spider-Man first goes in to ask for help. And Doctor Strange is like, oh, I have the spell that we could use. In the trailer, Wong stops him and says, you know, Strange, don't do that spell. It's very dangerous. And Strange is like, okay, I won't. And then he looks at Peter and he winks. Meaning that like, yeah, it sounds dangerous, but we're just going to do it because I want to have fun. That's how I portrayed that. It, It portrays it that he doesn't take things seriously. And then in the film... It's a way vastly different scene that that unfolds. Peter goes into there. He talks to him about it. And he's like, I don't have control of the time stone. We can't turn back time. And he's like, wait a second. I know there's a spell that can make people forget things. And Wong's like, that's a very dangerous spell. Why would you do that on such a global scale? And there's a little quirky joke between them. And then he looks at Wong and he goes, come on. The, the kid's done a lot for the universe. I think we, I think he kind of deserves this little restart to his life. And then Wong's like, just be careful. So it's this, it's, it's this very minor difference in lines and portrayal of character that really change 
what we were all kind of expecting. Like, I was really expecting Doctor Strange to just be this character that's almost very nonchalant about being a sorcerer and just wanting to play around with it. And another fun thing is that because there's no longer a time stone and because Doctor Strange was what they call blipped out five years ago in the in the main story of these films, he's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme by technicality. So he has to get Wong's permission. He's still powerful enough to do these, but he's no longer the leader. And he takes that leading role relatively seriously while being quirky with Wong, which is something that we also expected, you know, because they have a really good character dynamic. So moving forward with what happens next is all the things that they do. It's kind of Dr. Strange trying to be helpful, but then getting really upset when Peter is just being, I guess, Peter's character, you know, like he's in the middle of trying to cast the spell and Peter's like, I want to change things. And Dr. Strange is like, you can't do that, but he does it for him anyway, because he wants to look out for the kid. And then he even says, like, I forget sometimes that we save the world together, but you're still just a kid. Like, one of the big story-moving plot points is that they're trying to get into college. Like, in this universe, Peter's 18. Whereas in every other universe for the other Spider-Man, they've always been kind of in that high school era, but getting into, like, the working environment and getting into the college environment and having, like, careers and whatnot. Like, high school was always, like, the ending point for them. But we're at the third film in this in our spider-man trilogy for the mcu and he's still in high school like i might be wrong but i believe in every other spider-man film it starts with him the first film starts with him in high school but then he's graduating out as the story progresses like one of the big things about i think it was spider-man 2 and even the end of Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire is that you know he's this piece of delivery guy he's trying to make his rent he lives across the hall from this um, Armenian dude who the like the daughter brings him milk and all that stuff. I, I remember that being very weird. Um, I was super young when these films came out too. And I just remember this moving forward that yes, he's he might be a young adult, but he's in his 20s. You know, he, he's in his early 20s trying to be like this crime fighter. And here we have Tom Holland and he's still trying to get into college. But he's messing with things that is probably super, like, crazy to think that he's doing. Like, he he saved the world, he's fighting all these bad guys, he's 17, 18 years old. And even Doctor Strange at this point has trouble realizing that when he's done so much, not just for the the city, but also for the, the entire universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, he blipped out be, for, for the sake of mankind, almost. So... It's it's fun to see this understanding of Doctor Strange in a different light than what was portrayed in the trailer. It's fun to see this progression of how it really is just Peter trying to find his path and Doctor Strange trying to be the voice of reason. But then, of course, you know, Peter kind of outsmarts him and takes him off the board for a while. So then Peter's left to kind of try to do things on his own in his own way. So it's also understandable to the extent of what he's actually doing even though it's it might be a plot point that's a bit unnecessary like why would he feel that he needs to help these people maybe it's because of his aunt may maybe it's because he's you know young maybe he just wants to do things differently because he knows at some point you know it's revealed that these people these characters these villains 
eventually die at the hands of Spider-Man. And he's one Spider-Man that's like, I'm just sending them back to die, and I don't want to do that. So maybe he's trying to just do things differently than his other Spider-Man characters have. And it's it's really true. Like It's also true about the MCU, though. The MCU has done a lot where it comes to taking characters and supervillain characters and just portraying them for single films, not really having them be around to do much else moving forward. I feel like the only characters that have really survived a um, a Marvel film up to this point might be the Mandarin, um, the Vulture for the first Spider-Man film. Who else? I, I, I really can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Like, every Iron Man film ends with the bad guy losing and getting destroyed, basically. Every Thor film ends with the bad guy getting destroyed. Every Captain America film... Look what happened to Red Skull. Red Skull's no longer a thing. The, the Winter Soldier became a main character. You know what I mean? Like, maybe Agatha Harkness for um, Scarlet Witch. The White Vision's still around, but he's more of a good guy now. Like, almost every villain has perished in some way, shape, or form. You know, like, who else do we have besides anybody that knew that they're introducing? So it's interesting to see this battle that Tom Holland's character has where he's trying not to be like these other, you know, characters, these other universe Spider-Man. But what he suffers from is the consequences of trying to be different and not doing the right thing when it comes to the idea that these aren't people from his universe. He should have just sent them back. And he learns that very unfortunately moving forward. And again, we're, we're getting to a point where not only is this the third iteration of this Spider-Man, but it's also this kind of flourishing output of what the new Spider-Man is going to be moving forward. And I know we had this thing where this wasn't supposed this was supposed to be the last uh, film for Tom Holland as Spider-Man, but based on how this film ends, it's really not. What this really is is this is th- this is a film telling us that everything prior was kind of all prequels. Like, realistically speaking, they were all prequel storylines for the Spider-Man character. When you really break it down and see how the film ends... Like, the the pivotal moment for every Spider-Man character is when Uncle Ben dies. Our Tom Holland doesn't have an Uncle Ben. And we're also talking three movies, and the biggest line in Spider-Man history hasn't been said yet. And this is the film where we finally get that pivotal line. And it comes from Aunt May. After a huge battle, Aunt May sits there and she tells him, with great power must also come great responsibility. And that is a huge moment for not just Spider-Man fans, but also MCU fans who have seen this growth of this character. But now what also follows that line is usually the death of Uncle Ben. He doesn't have an Uncle Ben. So what they've done is they've made it the death of Aunt May. And that was heartbreaking because he always has Aunt May. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't up until, I feel, the recent PlayStation Spider-Man video game that I've seen a story arc where Aunt May dies. I'm I'm pretty certain she doesn't die in the Amazing Spider-Man films. I don't remember the original trilogy, but I know she gets caught up in a lot of situations where she might. But I'm pretty certain that they, they never kill Aunt May. And the fact that 
because he doesn't have an Uncle Ben, he has to lose his Aunt May. And that, it does kind of make sense, but it's also heartbreaking because that really does leave him with no family now. He really has no family backbone to fall fall back on. He he has no emotional foundation moving forward. And Spider-Man usually always needs that because he's constantly at his, you know, wit's end with what he's supposed to do. And not only with that, but also the way this film ends. Like, it starts off with, like, oh, I want everybody to forget that I am Spider-Man. And then instead, everything, you know, blows way out of proportion. The multiverse is about to crack through because the spell is still way out of control. And I still don't understand exactly how it worked. But then Peter said that, what if everybody forgot that forgot about Peter Parker. If everybody forgot who Peter Parker was, would this reverse it? And for some reason it does. And that's really confusing to me. I don't get how, instead of forgetting that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, everybody forgetting who Peter Parker is makes it where it reverses the spell. I was ve- I'm was, i still very confused and I really can't gather that. Maybe having a conversation with somebody else about this and not having it be just me talking to myself almost is um, a way that I can hopefully try to figure that out. But I still don't get that. But what it eventually leads to is that everybody in his universe is going to forget who Peter Parker is. Not that Spider-Man exists. Spider-Man still technically exists, but nobody knows who Peter Parker is. Therefore, nobody knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker. That includes Doctor Strange. That includes any other superhero in involved in the MCU at this current point, and that also includes his best friend and MJ. So he's willing to make that sacrifice to kind of save the universe and save the multiverse and send everybody back, which he does, and it's successful. And where does that lead us off with? It leaves us off with him entering an apartment, not having... His Aunt May not having MJ. MJ doesn't remember him. His best friend doesn't remember him. Even Happy, John Favreau's character, doesn't remember him. Like, he has no connection to the MCU. He no longer has the Iron Man suit. He has none of it. And he's got to move forward with nobody knowing who he is, technically speaking. Nobody knows Peter Parker. Everybody has forgotten him. So everybody has forgotten that he's Spider-Man, but Spider-Man still exists. And it ends with... Peter making his own regular suit and swinging off into the night. So Spider-Man still exists, but no one's going to remember him. And no one's going to remember, you know, him with the, the the other Marvel characters. So what does that mean for him moving forward? Is he still going to get involved? Does he have to explain things to people? Is Doctor Strange going to somehow find a way that he remembers in some shape or form? I don't know. All I know is that this is definitely a good a, a good starting point to lead us into what could we expect moving forward because whatever they were trying to do with um, uh, the second one, Far From Home, they kind of just reversed all of that where they were like, okay, Spider-Man's going to be the new Iron Man. Nope. They took everything away. They literally took all the buildup they made for this character and whoo, shot it all down totally cleaned the slate, took everything off the board and said, here's new Spider-Man, which is weird because it doesn't mean it's a torch passing film, nor does it mean that it's a, a new character film. It's, 
it 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 has more meaning than say what they did with WandaVision where they turned Wanda into the Scarlet Witch and we finally got to see that character. It's more than what they did for Falcon and the Winter Soldier where Falcon transitioned into Captain America's role. It's way more than that because these are still characters that have some sort of recollection of everything else that's going on. They all know what they've done. They all know that they're still a team. I'm pretty sure if the new Captain America and the Winter Soldier met up with, you know, Scarlet Witch, they would know, oh, hi, Wanda. Like, they know each other, but Spider-Man's kind of not there, but kind of still there. So is he going to be involved in anything moving forward? If a new Avengers film pops up, is Spider-Man going to make an appearance? Are they planning a fourth Spider-Man film? I, I bet you if I read up on it a little bit, I could probably find something where they're talking about it because... Not only is this film tremendous, but it's probably one of the most successful films Marvel's had since Endgame. Like a lot of a lot of people say that Far From Home was everything that people wanted, but truthfully, it it doesn't hold a candle to this film. Like being in a full a fully packed out theater and understanding what everybody is about to witness and understand that there were so many questions that everybody had. I really hadn't felt that in a very, very long time when it came to not only just a Marvel movie, just any movie whatsoever. So this is a huge, huge monumental moment, not just for MCU fans, but just people who invest their time into wanting to go and see these movies. To me, again, I've seen at least a dozen movies in theaters over the last four months. None of those movies have given me the feeling of kind of things being back to normal as this film did. And that's huge, not only for what we want in in just life now, outside of our homes and outside of watching movies on our television and streaming things consistently. It's just that feeling of being in the crowd and experiencing all these pivotal moments that are just rumors to us they just we don't know moments you know when you first saw Andrew Garfield the crowd in the theater was just so ecstatic about it and then Tobey Maguire the crowd went friggin nuts and it's just so amazing to be in that atmosphere again and it's been so long since I've been able to appreciate and enjoy seeing a film like that and this film is really tremendous in giving you not only a good story, but just a well-rounded next step in what the MCU and what Phase 4 should should be giving us. This is what we should have been getting. We should have been getting films like this. At this point in the storytelling of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they should have all been like this. But again, the only other thing I can really compare it to is Shang-Chi, because I felt Shang-Chi was amazing, I felt Black Widow was torch-passing. I felt Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, they're all torch-passing. Loki is just kind of incorporating this other story arc that might come later on and kind of introducing a villain that might come later on. This is just a huge movie, even bigger than I think its others. It's mid-sequel, the second film in the trilogy. I think it's bigger than that. And there might be a lot of people that agree or disagree, but this is a real big deal because... It's there's so much that it leaves that it cleans the slate for, but so much that it leaves open and so many other questions that it asks us. And one of my big questions by the end of the film was, and I haven't done a friggin entry on this yet. And I have to, because I got to see the, um, the Venom sequel, let there be carnage. And I didn't mind it so much. I thought it was great. I think the Venom films are a lot of fun. 
Um, but for anybody who has seen that film, they know that the post credit scene, you know, the secret scene at the end of the film is Venom getting sucked in to the multiverse thing as well. So when he gets pushed over into the Tom Holland storyline, I expected him to pop up in this film too at some point. You know, like there would have been a fun kind of back and forth to see Tommy Maguire and that Venom kind of, you know, have a dialogue moment almost. But he never does. Throughout the whole film, he never does. Until, you know, the the mid credit scene. You know, right after all the animations and the song playing scene. At the end of the film... Venom pops up and he's talking to this like bartender and he's like, all right, we got to go meet this guy you call Spider-Man. And then it's like three minutes of dialogue. And then he blips out showing that this scene takes place right at the end of the film, you know? So it's weird how the, the mid credit scene at the end of the Venom film starts with him getting pushed into this universe and then the whole story kind of takes place, I want to say, over maybe a week. You know, it's definitely a couple of days. I wouldn't say it's longer than, like, six or seven days, but it takes place over a couple of days. But when Venom gets pushed into the universe, he gets pushed in right as the announcement that Peter Parker is Spider-Man happens, which is the ending of Far From Home and the beginning of this film. So the fact that it's five or six days and Venom doesn't make it to him on time is kind of weird, and the fact that he doesn't have any involvement in it whatsoever is also weird, so it's like, why did you push him in there, and then just use him for a mid-credit sequence, and what does that mid-credit sequence do? It just kind of leaves a little bit of symbiote in the universe, so does that mean that that little bit of symbiote is going to turn into Venom? Is that little bit of symbiote going to turn into Carnage? Because it only took that little bit of symbiote to make Carnage. You know, what is this little bit of symbiote doing? So is this is this a precursor for fourth Spider-Man? Are we seeing storylines move forward that don't involve the rest of the MCU, but it's now Spider-Man by himself? Which is also going to be weird because we're very used to Spider-Man being involved in these major storylines. And it would be fantastic to see Spider-Man still be involved and then have the Fantastic Four get introduced and have this thing where it's like you have that alternate Fantastic Four Spider-Man suit where it's <laughs> it's it's the spy it's the Fantastic Four leotard, but then it's a brown paper bag over his head, and then he's barefoot. Everybody knows that Fantastic Four outfit for Spider-Man, and that would be hilarious if they did that in some way, shape, or form. I think that would be so friggin' funny. But is it going to lead into that? Like, it's just so many questions and so many openings for new opportunities that I do hope they are going to move forward with another Spider-Man iteration, or at least just using Spider-Man moving forward and then just kind of reintroducing him. But now here's the thing. He knows everybody already. So it's going to be weird to reintroduce him and have him be like, you know, hi, I'm Peter Parker. And then they're like, hello, I'm Doctor Strange. You know, hello, I'm uh, I'm Wanda Maximoff. I'm, I'm this, I'm that person. I'm this person, I'm that person. I'm happy. And he's like, yeah, I know all of you already. Like, how are we going to express that? Or is he just going to keep making believe that nobody actually knows him? And it really does end with him by himself 
he doesn't have MJ, he doesn't have Aunt May, he doesn't have anybody, he's literally alone, and he chooses that path, but then he also still chooses to be Spider-Man, and to go back out there and be a hero, but he's a hero by himself, he has nobody helping him, he has no technology, he is, you know, a genius, but he doesn't have access to any of those things anymore, so, it's very interesting to see where they might be going moving forward. So, one other thing I want to talk about is the end credit scene. So now what I love about MCU is they're, they're pushing the envelope where it comes to these things that happen in the credits, really making us sit there for the entire, you know, 148 minutes that a film could possibly be. And not only did we get a mid credit scene that kind of gave us something with Venom, we get an end credit scene. But it's not an end credit scene. It's, it's the trailer, or it's, I would say the first trailer, This the I guess a, a real minor mock-up of what the first trailer is for Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Holy shit, does that look so good. And the story arc of getting him and Scarlet Witch involved together and having them team up to figure things out. I, I'm not going to say too much about it because I know it's probably going to drop probably within the week. You know, this is not something that they can like keep under wraps. They're probably waiting for the weekend premiere and then eventually they're going to push it out to everybody. And it also brings back nostalgia from being in theaters for the first Captain America. I remember the post credit scene for the first pa- Captain America leading into the Avengers trailer. And that's that's really bringing it back. And not only is that bringing it back, that's letting us know that we're at a point in the MCU where they're telling us that like these are going to be the big movies moving forward. And I don't know if the Multiverse of Madness is going to live up to what No Way Home just did for us. But if it does anything like what this movie did, if it brings any of the feelings and the emotions that we were experiencing during this film, and I think they were because one of the most exciting scenes in the film, totally the top three, not only all the Spider-Men being together, not only all of them like fighting on the Statue of Liberty at the end, but the big scene is Doctor Strange doing his Doctor Strange thing with Spider-Man. When him and Spider-Man kind of fight but kind of don't, like... We want more Doctor Strange stuff. Doctor Strange stuff is super cool, and they do it so well. So finally getting another Doctor Strange movie is super exciting. And what they plan on doing and what's going to be happening moving forward with this further expansion into the multiverse, it's just, it's so exciting. It's such a good time to be a fan of these films. And I really look forward to seeing... What else? I I can't wait for the trailer to drop officially because I'm going to watch it again. It was so, so good. And I can't wait for that other film. And now the the other thing I have to do is I have to watch the Hawkeye show. And then I'm all caught up. And I'm usually on top of things as much as I can be. But when it comes to everything that's happening and all these things that they're connecting, they're connecting so much more than I feel like they were connecting to lead up to Endgame. And I might be wrong, but I think it's just that they are having so much more. Like they're giving all of these, all of these different arcs and all of these different ways that things can go. You know, you have the arc with the multiverse. You have the arc with the time stuff, uh, with Loki. Then you have the arc with the secret agency, with um, with this actress, 
uh, from Seinfeld that was incorporated in not just Black Widow, but in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then you have the new Captain America, which we could easily focus on and and shift our way to. Then you have Shang-Chi who's getting involved. It's just, there are so many winding turns in this. You know, like, we also have the fourth Thor film coming out that's going to be super fantastic to finally get to see Thor again. You know, we haven't seen Thor since Endgame, so... We're talking, this is coming out next year, we're talking three years, four years since you've seen the Thor character. Anybody that has anything to do with Thor, minus Loki, but even Thor, Thor doesn't even make a, like a, a, a guest appearance in the Loki show, which would have been awesome to just see him pop up randomly and do something. But whatever we, we have get, we're getting so far, it's just getting so much bigger, and it's just such a good time to be a fan of everything that they're doing. And I'm so happy. I'm so satisfied with this film. And I really, really hope that this isn't a missed opportunity and that something else happens moving forward. And I really appreciate all of the 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 efforts that went into getting a story like this out because it is, to me, one of the best stories and one of the best films in the MCU, you know, after Endgame. You know, I'm not even talking post endgame i'm talking pre and no um i'm not talking pre endgame i'm talking post endgame everything after endgame you know like shang chi is up there but it's not what this film is it's not what this film is at all and it's just tremendous to see what they were capable of doing and to see what we have moving forward and i can't wait for it